the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. Those seem lofty. And what I want to do today is I want to take it, um, when we teach in youth, we call it cloud to ground. I want to take it from way up here. I want to bring it down to the ground a little bit, make it practical, make it tangible, highlight the reality of what it actually is, that it's not just, uh, it's not just a fantasy. It's not just a fantasy novel. Um, for some of us, it can seem very Lord of the Rings or very uh, Chronicles of Narnia. And it is, and it's all those things. And it's also the true reality. It's the final reality. It's the final destination of what we know so far. Okay? We're gonna go through it. <clears throat> and I'm gonna have lots of bubbles, I guess. I think it's important to remember a couple things that, um, that what we experience in the physical isn't the final reality. Okay? And behind every physical situation, there, there is an unseen battle. There's a, deeper, there's a deeper blessing in all of these things, everything that we go through, everything that we do. And there's a further calling in the spiritual world of everything that's happening constantly in the mundane and in the, in the triumphant and the exciting This is all a precursor to our actualized existence in God's kingdom, which means that every obedience, every risk, every offering, every step of faith passes on through to the next chapter of the full reality. So what I want to do today is I want to bring it cloud to ground. I want to show how God is warming us up, warming us up to the resurrection of the body and what the resurrection of the body actually sort of looks like, how that works, what our Bible says about life everlasting, and then what in the world does that mean for us for the rest of the 90 or oh, said one year, I don't know, for the ever, how long we have left on life here. Some of us is like, oh golly, it's really dark. Well, it's not dark, and we're going to talk about why it's not dark. We're going to talk about why it's wonderful and why you want it so bad, Right? Thank you. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5. This is how God warms us up. Okay, he's revving the engine. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we were in this tent, we groan and are burden, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this, for this very purpose, is God who has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. I just want to let that stand alone for a sec. There's some scriptures you don't really have to expound on. You can just read them again. And the spirit locks it in. 
Now the one who fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Guaranteeing what is to come, our true home, our final reality, where we get to realize that our names have been written in heaven. It's where all of this is headed. And so today there's a lot of scripture and that's intentional because when we're talking about the resurrection of the body and we're talking about life everlasting, I really, I really want to keep speculation low and I want to keep the truth of scripture high. And I think God has given us a really sweet roadmap on, on decoding a lot of this and trying to figure out in the physical world how to manage and how to, to say yes to faith and hope that leads us on into an eternal existence and our dwelling with our Father. So I think what's valuable today is that one, we believe this together. We believe that there's a resurrection of the body and we believe that there is life eternal. We let it make us and we act on it because it's true. I stole the let it make us from Rich Mullins. I did not make it, it is making me. Yeah, 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 it's such a good song. It's weird leading it here because it's a mouthful sometimes. I don't get the phrasing. I get it. It's fine. Um, God is bringing the reality of the resurrection first to us by life in the spirit. We're going to look at a couple scriptures and see that God isn't just, it's not just full stop, boom, new reality. Everything looks new. He's warming us up to resurrection of the body and life eternal first by life in the spirit. Remember the early scripture said, he gives us the spirit as a deposit to guarantee the life that is to come. In the economics, aren't the economics of God really great? <laughs> so cool. Romans five, nope. Romans eight, five through 11. Let's read this. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and is peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. This is for you who are in the spirit. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the spirit. Since the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies, also through the spirit that dwells in you. How kind, how sweet of God to ease us into resurrection of the body and life eternal through first through a life here, through his Holy Spirit. It's not zero to 60 in two seconds. It's, it's, a, it's a gradual move. 
And we'll see later that there's a big change, but he's easing us into it with life in the spirit. And it's a strange existence. We can just call it what it is. It's weird. Because we do have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. But that's not to say that, that it's any easier and that accessing the faith deposits that the Spirit makes in us, some days we're desperately reaching for those. And some days we're clinging to the last shred of hope that, that we can get our tangible fingers on. There is, there is a strange in-between where we do still play into our addictions to the flesh, but we believe inside because of the Holy Spirit that's been deposited that we have a greater existence, we have a greater calling, and we have a better home. We have a better home. It's also wonderful. This is also a wonderful time. It is the only time in the next 300 trillion years or more, it's infinity. But sometimes, listen, sometimes you just can't, like if you say forever, you just can't wrap your head around it. So you have to put like a number on it. At least I do. Maybe some of you don't. But I got to say 300 trillion because that's a number. And then, and I put in parentheses in my notes, and more so that I wouldn't get in trouble. It's the only time in the next 300 trillion years that we can choose to live out our true calling and identity over our flesh and our brokenness, okay? So this is not time to be wasted. This is not a holding pattern. This is not a holding cell. This is not an accident. This is intentional. We are living as we are in fleshly bodies with the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us intentionally. So it matters. If it's intentional, it matters. Does that make sense? Okay. That's why the faith gains from this chapter of life, they move on and they go on and they matter. That's why, that's why James is wild enough and in, in almost offensive to say that consider it joy when you endure trials. Are you kidding me? I'm offended. Consider it joy. Do you know what happened? He does. Not he, James, but he, your father. He does know what happened. And he does know what's going to happen. And he still says, consider it joy when you endure trials for a reason. God introduces us to resurrection of the body and life eternal first by giving us his Holy Spirit and allowing it to dwell in our hearts and our minds as we walk the earth as it is today. And then it gets weirder. God will raise your body. First Corinthians, is it okay if I say weirder? Got one, yes. Listen, it is weird, but it's good. Weird things can be good, and good things can be weird. And sometimes weird things can just be weird. But this is 
a good thing that's weird and a weird thing that's good. 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 58. It's nine verses. You got your scripture seatbelt on? You good? All right, let's read this. What I am saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I will tell you a mystery. I imagine Paul saying it like that. I will tell you a mystery. We will not all die, but will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and all will be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishability, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When this perishable body puts on imperishability and this mortal body puts on immortality, then the saying that is written will be fulfilled. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, because you know that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. It matters. It matters. This matters. There's two things from this text that we want to pull out. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things. But there's two things we're going to pull out today. First one is, how, how does the resurrection work? And then I want to respond. We're going to have like a ministry time in the middle of the teaching. Is that okay? Some of you are like, no. I'm like you, man. How does the resurrection work? So Paul is intentionally here. He's very brief. He explains it as a mystery. It's a mystery. How does it work? It's a mystery. I don't know. But it happens in a moment. It happens in the twinkling of an eye. Earlier in the text, before verse 50, Paul goes on to, to talk about uh, the resurrection as, as a seed, as a tree seed. And then at the moment of the resurrection, the seed then blooms into a tree. So every tree comes from a seed. The seed is the tree, and the tree came from the seed, but they are obviously very different. They are obviously very different. I've seen a tree seed, and I've seen a tree, and I went to college, and I know that they are different. But they are the same. The same DNA but completely different in their presentation and completely different in their power. But one has to come first. And right now we have the seed. But the tree is coming. So feed that seed, water that seed, you know what I mean? 
Put it in those brown paper towels and in that plastic cup, like in your science project, and put it at the windowsill at your mom's house. It's way too far. It wasn't in my notes. So sorry, that joke. The second thing, sometimes we've got to move stuff, you know? We've got to move stuff around. Um, I, I, it was that, the, I, like, I love this story. I was at a world mandate with a student several years ago, and um, a world mandate is like a, a two-day worship conference, uh, like missions-focused, and it's in Waco, Texas, and I was taking the youth with uh, Kaylee, and uh, we were at worship, and man, it was just one of those times where, you know, the Lord is moving all around the room, and, and people are, are understanding God for who he is. Uh, and all the students are, are experiencing God in new ways, worshiping, that kind of thing. Uh, and then one of the students comes up, and uh, he comes up, puts his arm around me. He's like, hey, dude. I'm like, hey, dude. Could you pray for me? It's like, yeah, I can. What's going on? He's like, I just, uh, I want to feel, like, I want to feel God, what, what he's doing. I was like, okay. And I was just praying like, God, I just pray for my guy here. And that you would move in his heart, move in his mind. And he's just like, nothing's, I mean, nothing's going on. So, and I was like, man, do you want God to move right now in your life? He's like, yeah. Well, what are you going to give up? You got to get, you got to, you got to make space. You have to make way for the Lord. You have to make straight the path. Let's make way for the Lord. What are you going to give up? And he named something that he was holding on to. And I could see the spirit starting to move. And I was like, to keep going. Let's go. What else are you going to give up? And he started naming off sins, unconfessed sin, unconfessed desires for revenge, apathy, bitterness, all those kind of things. And he started just giving them up to the Lord. And the Lord was empowering him and giving him peace and giving him hope and giving him new identity. Just right there in the, those dumb theater chairs in that fancy room. God was moving. And so sometimes we have to make room. And so this scripture clearly calls out what I am saying, brothers and sisters, in this flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Man, we're holding on to a lot of perishable stuff, you know? Holding on to a lot of it. A lot of it we're aware of, and some of it we're not even aware of. Sometimes we're holding on to stuff because we think it's right. And sometimes we confuse right, doing something that's right, and we confuse it with something that's holy. Okay? This includes the, the titles we wear or we strive for. It includes the sums of money that, that we dream of making that we think keep us safe. Um, it includes any kind of territory in the physical or in, in the workplace or, or recognition of, of your name. It includes an addiction to making sure that we have the most educated and best looking children. Um, it, it feeds into making sure that we're still desired by the opposite sex, even though we're married. It, it, the lusts that we're holding on to, that we're addicted to, that, that we think keep fueling us through the day. Those are things that are imperishable. 
And listen, I'm not going to go into it more, and I don't have, we don't have the luxury of having the time of making sure that everyone's number is called so that we can have a big altar call and repentance, but there are things that we are holding on to that we are not aware of or that we are aware of that we're holding on to that are perishable, that God is calling us to hand over today because they don't move on. They do not move on. And the imperishable does. And God is calling us to cling to things that are imperishable today. He's doing that. So we're just going to do a little, little ministry time right now. I just want everyone to close their eyes if you're comfortable. The Southern Baptist in me is like, if you're comfortable. If you feel comfortable, close your eyes and ask God, God, what am I holding on to that is perishable What am I clinging to that I think is right but is not holy? We can respond to that later in ministry time if you feel so led. The seed seed will rise and it will become a tree. We're going to feed the seed that will become a really big tree. Life everlasting. Can I be honest? Life everlasting to me forever sometimes sounds, uh, sounds boring. And uh, I don't feel bad saying that because we're gonna clear it up and we're gonna let Jesus clear that up for us. Um, if this was forever, I like you guys. But if this was forever, I would get tired of it, right? It's okay to say, yeah. If this is forever, I'd get tired of you guys. Um, I'm offended. My email is brock at olcc.org. You can email me there, all your complaints. There's an Argentinian author named... George Luis Borges, and he writes a story about a man who finds a river of immortality, and he drinks from the river thinking it's the greatest thing that he's ever discovered. And as he lives in his immortality for quite some time, he understands soon that it was the finality of death, and it was the the ending of life that created color and urgency to life. And so from then on, as immortality that he had it at that moment on the earth became very stale and very dull. And he later found out that there was a river somewhere on the earth that takes away the immortality. And so he spent the next several centuries searching the earth, drinking from every spring and every river, desperately trying to get his immortality taken away. Imagine if, if the life on earth, if this is all we had, the struggle, the temptation, the trials, the pain, and the sorrow. And in, in, a, in, a, in a world of infinite possibilities, in a life of infinite possibilities forever, but in a world of finite possibilities, we'd endure everything over again and over and over again. And it sounds really sad and really terrible. And if you feel like that, after I just told that story, you're normal. 
Then enters Jesus, who can clear lots of things up in one sentence sometimes. So not only in in this next verse does he prove as the holder of all creation, as the son of God in heaven, as the mighty bridge between the rebels, us, and God the Holy Father, he also reveals to us that he's near and that he's loving and that he's kind, that he's highly empathetic. He is a brother. Okay, let's listen to how Jesus, charter member of the Trinity, steps into our own skin, into our flesh, into our own skin, and explains eternity in this one little quick liner from John 10.10. I have come that you may have life and that you may have it abundantly. I have come that you may have life and that you may have it abundantly. So Jesus moves into, listen, I have come not that you might have quantity of life, but that you may have quality of life. Life eternal is good. And we know that that's true because it came from the lips of Jesus. It came from the mouth of God. And so life eternal is something that we want to put into our hearts. We want, we want eternal hearts. Let, let's, move to, let's move to Revelation 21. Revelation scares some of us. And we're going to spend, listen. We're going to spend the next better part of the year going through Revelation. And honestly, in the last five years, there's probably nothing better. There's pro- nothing better has happened to me than the book of Revelation in the last five years. It's, it's, I think it's not a book of, here's what's going to happen. It's going to go down like this. Come on, Kirk Cameron, you know? Uh, it's not what it's about. It's fine. That's, that stuff's fine. But it's a, book of, it's a book of worship. And it's a book, it's a book teaching us and showing us that it's not just Jesus of Nazareth anymore. It's Jesus, holder of all creation. It's the risen Lord Jesus. It's Jesus with white hair and fire in his eyes and a sword coming out of his mouth on a white horse striking down every injustice that has ever rubbed against us or trampled us, anyone on this earth. It's Jesus the victor. It's Jesus the judge. It's good. It's good. All right. But Revelation 21, we're not there yet. I just want to do, we're not going to read the whole thing. I just want to do a couple call outs. Revelation verse three. This is what parts of what life eternal will look like. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And as a God, as a God of love, doesn't it sound good to dwell with God, to have God dwell with you? Whatever picture in your mind that's good that comes up, that's probably from the Lord right now. He will dwell with them. He will wipe away, verse four, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. So no more long nights worrying 
No worrying over your children. No more dramatically, heavily complicated fights with your family that last for years. The pain that comes from having children with overwhelming complex medical problems, that's done with. Failures in the workplace, being mocked by people that you've opened yourself up to, no betrayal, being betrayed, none of that. It's done, it's finished. God is here to dwell. He is dwelling with us. Verse five says, I am making all things new. And it's with an exclamation point. Verse six, to the thirsty, I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Verse 23, in the city, listen to this, in the city has no need for a sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of the Lord is its light, and the lamp, and its lamp is the lamb. I, I don't want to skip over that. Light is really good. Um, I don't want to tell that story. It's going to take too long. <laughs> Next time. Uh, let's move to chapter 22, verse 1 through 5. Revelation. God, give us a spirit. Give us a spirit of revelation as we read this. God, give us a spirit of revelation as we read this. Give us a window into heaven and why this matters. As we read your scripture, transform our hearts, transform our minds. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Isn't that neat? how God's river of life is not hard to get to. It's flowing in the most obvious place, in the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life with 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore. But the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him, and they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. I love that. What a way to say you're mine, to write his name on the foreheads. There will be no more night. They need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever and it will be abundant. Does this give you faith? Does like reading this give you faith? Does it put hope in your soul? Hope, like I tied it in. <laughs> Again, the Southern Baptist in me is pleased. I stuck to the calendar, Mom. Uh, do you feel, can you comprehend the love in that, in that passage? 
It's a kingdom made for you. It is great. And listen, some of us can read this and can't quite comprehend it. Some of us can read passages like this and, and it doesn't make sense to us. And things, it feels like fantasy. And again, I want you to know that if that's you, you're very normal. And that's fine. And, and there, there's even a scripture for that. But there is. So uh, we read the Great Commission a lot of time. And, and we read it with gusto and, and with, you know, uh, feet for the gospel on and ready to go. But there's, there's a catch earlier that I think is, is merciful uh, for the Lord to let that through the scriptures to where we have today. Um, it's Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted, right? And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So they are there, worshiping, worshiping the resurrected Jesus post-cross, in resurrected form, and, and it even says, and some doubted. And to a degree, that's all of us right now. As we're reading about a, a river in the middle of a street with the tree of life and God dwelling with us, and there's no sun, but the Lord is the, is the lamp, some doubted. That's most of us to some degree this morning. And, and there, but scripture even gives us a way to respond to that. And remember in, in the Gospels in Mark, there was a, a demon-possessed son who belonged to a man. And, and the man brought the, it was a, in a very intense possession, very tight stronghold. Um, and he brings this son to, to the disciples. And they try to cast the demon out, but they can't. And so they bring him to Jesus. And, and the man says to request healing for his son from Jesus. And he says, if you are able, to Jesus, he says, if you're able, which ruffled his feathers a little bit. I love when he gets like a little frustrated. Um, but the man surrenders finally and cries out, I believe, I believe, help my unbelief. And there he is caught kind of similar to how we are. We're not caught, but where we are purposely put right now. Living as, as people who, who have the Holy Spirit inside of us, destined for another kingdom, walking the earth as it is now. I believe, help my unbelief. And that, that can be our response to things as crazy as I believe in resurrection of the body and I believe in life eternal. I believe Help my unbelief. And so we're going to do ministry time. Uh, if that good old rock band wants to come back up, I'll play some rock tunes. Um, we're going to respond. And, and I encourage you to respond. And that may not mean coming down for prayer. 
But when we, when we open up the scriptures and we speak and we talk, I encourage, you, I encourage you to respond. The Holy Spirit moves and he's speaking to all of us. And I encourage you to respond to what that is. There, there's a couple of responses. God, God, believe. God, help my unbelief. Another thing I'd love to respond to is give me a heart for eternity. Give me an eternal heart. I am tired of, of holding on to things that I think sustain me that don't sustain me. Give me a heart for eternity. Give me a new heart for eternity. And some of us haven't decided, uh, we haven't made the decision to, to, to follow God. And I want to be in his family. If that's you today, if the ministry team wants to come up. Uh, if that's you today, then I encourage you to come down and, and invite the Lord Jesus to be Lord of your life. It's so good. It's weird. And it's good. And it makes the most sense once the Holy Spirit fills your heart and fills your life. Let's all stand up. I believe, help my unbelief. If you want a heart for eternity, a heart that beats for eternity and whatever that means when that phrase hits you if you want that let's pray that if you want to hand over what's perishable and trade it for something imperishable God wants to give you something in return also 